0: You're listening to Twin Day, a show all about empowering Black and brown entrepreneurs to thrive. This podcast is powered by Bank of America. Twin Day, meaning let's go in Kiswahili, is a Tennessee accelerator program that's leveling the playing field for Black and Latina founders. I'm Brittany Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and your host of the Twin Day podcast. You can expect to hear stories of entrepreneurs thriving in their businesses, insights from organizations that support founders of color, and get access to resources to help you grow and scale your business. For more content like this, visit twindaypodcast.com and follow anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's dive in. So let's dive into this conversation. I feel like many of us know your story and I'm gonna ask for you to share a little bit about the story of what you were able to do with less than $5 that's now multiplied many fold. But as you share that, curious about what and who inspired you to become an entrepreneur? Yeah. Who doesn't know the story
1: of the cupcake collection? Does not. Okay. Y'all must be new to Nashville. That's how you say it. That's how you have to say it around here, Nashville. Nashville. Um, well, so that you get introduced, the Cupcake Collection is here tonight in the lobby. We're voted as the best cake in Tennessee Woo. and in Louisiana. And I'm really proud of that because, you know, like in on Broadway, if you could make it there, you can make it anywhere. But I feel like if you can make it in New Orleans with food, then you can make it anywhere. So I had to take the brand back home to New Orleans and see how we really were doing. And so we were voted best cake in Louisiana, too. So I'm proud of that. Yes. So it looks like for the most people who don't know the story, I started the business in a little area called Germantown before it had a name. It was just out north or North Nashville. And it was the first incorporated neighborhood in Nashville. And so all the people, they were tearing down one house and putting up 15. And I had the last blighted house in the neighborhood. And when we bought that house, the person told us they were offering it for one hundred and forty thousand dollars. It was condemned. It rained more inside of it than it did outside of it. And they were offering owner financing. I didn't have any money and I didn't have any credit. And I thought, okay, I'll take the owner financing. (laughs) I didn't know it didn't work like that. And, you know, I will, you know, I'll take the house and I'll give you $60,000 for it. And they were like, are you crazy? Restaurants want this place. I'm like, I don't know nothing about restaurants. I just want to raise my family here. Little did I know there was going to be a restaurant there. It was going to be mine. We bought that house and moved in in 2005 with two bedrooms and a half bathroom. And those two. Those two bedrooms didn't have flooring on the floors. We didn't have coverings on the walls. And the half bathroom was a tub and a toilet. And that's what serviced our whole family. I have seven children, by the way. So we at the time were a family of eight because we got one in the process of having the cupcake collection. But I was listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio. He was telling people that they could get out of debt by having a bake sale. Or a garage sale, but we sold everything we had to get here, so I couldn't have a garage sale. Um, And I didn't know how to bake, not even out of a box. (laughs) And I thought, well, I'll have the bake sale because I was listening to people saying, we're debt free. And I wanted what they had. I wanted to be able to scream like that. And so I went to my daughters who were 10 and 16 and thought, let's, you know, make this bakery. And shortly after I got started, my 16-year-old let me know she did have a plan and had nothing to do with my little bakery business. And she was going back to New Orleans. So without her, my little daughter's not interested anymore. So I got to learn how to bake. And so in the kitchen, in that house, in the kitchen, I learned that every stupid thing you've ever had to do is taking you from where you are to where you want to be. And I had gone to Xavier University to become a doctor. I I thought I was going to end up in Nashville eventually at Meharry and I couldn't apply the science of the human body. But in my kitchen one day trying to make a recipe, it all made sense and it came together that this is what they were talking about in my science lab. And so I started making cupcakes for the neighbors and they started knocking on my door and asking me for more. And it was when a a husband of a pregnant woman knocked on the door at 10 o'clock at night said, do you got anything in there? <laughs> that let me know that I had something. But it was when my neighbor, Joni, who lived across the street, wanted to give them out to everybody that Christmas for presents. And I was sitting in the house with no electricity because I couldn't afford it. And I was trying to do this Dave Ramsey babysit plan. I only have $5 to my name. When she asked me to make Cupcakes for all her clients, and so I took the deal, and I took my five dollars, and I went to the Kroger that's located on Rosa Parks and Monroe. I bought everything I could buy with that five dollars that day, and turned it into sixty. And I turned that sixty into six hundred by the end of the week. And I've been flipping that same money for fifteen years. <laughs> we opened on November eighth, two thousand and was that 2008, 2000, 2008. I was just about to say it was the same day that my friend Josh Mundy opened his store, um, in that same neighborhood. Um, also being told, you know, what y'all are crazy. Ain't nobody coming to Germantown for this.
0: Yeah. Let, let's, Let's dive into that a little bit, because I know one of the things that we often hear black founders talk about is, you know, perhaps being first generation, like not having the model in your close connection of this can be done. So how did you build that belief to know that you could take that five dollars and become an entrepreneur while listening to Dave Ramsey and seeing this vision of who you wanted to become? Where did that belief come from? I think that
1: my mother was our biggest cheerleader. And she would, as long as she was there, she was screaming for whoever didn't have somebody screaming for them, even if they were the enemy. And she always told us that we could do anything and that our names required it. So there's a whole town named after my family name, and that's Terrio. And so she told us that we were terios and that meant something. But my my parents didn't believe in playing life. Like you go to a job, you work 35 years, you stay at that same job, and you climb the corporate ladder. My mother started out at her company as, a, as an executive assistant. She retired with an executive position. Um, and she hadn't gone to college. She just climbed the corporate ladder until, until she made it there. And so she didn't, they didn't believe in playing at life and playing business. But that's what I used to like to play as a kid. I didn't like dolls. I liked to play bank. <laughs> I, and I always wanted to be handling all the paper money. And uh, that was my favorite game, to play bank. And when I got to Nashville, it was the Entrepreneur Center that made me believe that I could do it. Um, Michael Burcham was leading at the time, and he was a fan of what I had to offer. And he would always push me to find out what my unique proposition was. Mm. And I thought it was the price. And he said, it's not the price, because people will pay you more for this. And I've learned they will pay you <laughs> They will pay you more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it was being in the Entrepreneur Center in the Catalyst program. Once I kind of already was finding success, someone mm. saw what I was doing and said, you need to go over there. And they took me into the class and I started sitting in the front and I started raising my hand and said, uh, excuse me, what was that? What is that? And it seemed like everybody else knew what those words were, but I didn't. And I wasn't ashamed to say, I don't know what that is. And so I called the Entrepreneur Center, the School of Hard
0: Knocks. And that's where I got my degree. I love that. I love that so much. So just as an FYI, if you are not currently subscribed to the Twin Day podcast, you will be able to find this conversation there. This second season is powered by Bank of America. So thank you for joining me on this live episode. Y'all didn't know y'all were here for a podcast episode, did you? (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So talk to us a little bit about, so I love that. Right, so the this vision of who you could become, you could become debt-free, you took what was around you, your childhood left clues, you'd been playing bank, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm ready to do this, I'm connected to a resource in the Entrepreneur Center that's gonna help me do it. Let's talk a little bit about identity. What role has, or if you believe it plays a role, what role has your identity as a black woman played in your journey Mm -hmm. of taking that $5 and continuing to flip it across state lines? Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that question. So a lot of times when I walked into a room like that and I could get my Afro as big as I could get it, uh, people always welcomed me. I would always hear stories about our hair and, and people would try to touch it. You know, and things like that. And I use that as opportunities to welcome people and draw them closer to me. You know, you touch my hair, you know, like what you going to give me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it really did. It really did begin to open up conversations. But I think that being a black woman also meant that I didn't have. Two or three hundred years of my grandfather or my grandmother did it this way. I come from a family of enslaved people, and so my father was born on a plantation. I'll say that again. My daddy was born on a plantation, a sugarcane plantation, and he was born in forty eight. 1948. Um, So we, you know, not having that long generation, but what I did have was a family of women who were really good cooks. They were super hospitable. You could go to my grandmother's house and eat at any point, and there was always cake there. And if I was driving down, there was gonna be coconut cake there, which is my favorite thing that we do at the Cupcake Collection. So if you never had that, you're sleeping.
0: or the sweet potato cupcakes. Yeah, or the sweet potato <laughs> cupcakes.
1: But also what it did for me is like when I, when I got ready to go to banks, there wasn't money readily available to me. That money that I told you I've been flipping, I turned that into over $10 million on my own. There was not banks to help me do that until now. That money was the money that I used to go out and buy a, buy a machine. I I took that $600 and I bought myself a KitchenAid mixer. And then I'd use that money and put some aside and stick it in envelopes and was still doing that Dave Ramsey baby step plan. And when I would go to the bank and ask them for money, I always had to back every request with my own money. It don't happen like that no more. But it's taken a it's taking time to get those relationships to make that happen. So getting to getting a seat at the table, I heard Eric Thomas say it, say it like this, this weekend up in a summit that I went to that he was offering and it was, what are you going, to, when you get a seat at the table, what are you going to offer that's going to be rare? And I said, "Ooh, that's so good. Because everybody wants a seat at the table. But what are you bringing to the table that nobody else has ever brought? Like, what is going to be different? And that really resonated on the inside of me. And what I also heard in that conference this week was Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, 29, I believe. And it was, do you see a, a man skilled in his labor? He will serve before kings and not ordinary men and I think that's what happened to me. I became skilled at what I was doing and it brought me to a seat at the table and I offered something rare when I got there and I think what I'm doing now is also opening the door. So when I heard that we were having this, I picked up the phone and said, Girl, what you doing at five o'clock? I, I think I could I think I could make some connections for you, you know, and I'm always making sure that I'm trying to stick my foot in the door and leave the door open for the people who who are coming behind me. I don't often think that people call me and tell me what's going on, but I always make sure that I call others regardless and say, this is what I hear.
0: Yeah, Does that make sense? It makes so much sense, and we're grateful for it. You're at the table, and I think that's a lesson for all of us listening. Like, how do we pull up a chair and make room for others to sit down with us? And I ask that question because we know from the data on entrepreneurship U.S wise for the last seven years, black women are the fastest growing demographic to start businesses. But then when you look at the revenue of black women on businesses, and women on businesses across the board, I know there are a lot of partners in our ecosystem that serve specifically women on businesses, the average is just over $100,000 for women. Mm -hmm. So there's disparity there. But then when you look at black women, we make around twenty-four thousand dollars per year. So I think I heard you say you flip that five dollars into ten million. Is mm-hmm. that is that right? That's what I said. That's what you said. Okay, yeah, okay. I was I was waiting for the room to 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 hear that. So we have a lot of advocates and allies that are listening to the podcast, that are listening to us in the room right now. What advice would you share with those that say yes? I'm in the room today. I'm listening to this episode because I want to actively do something different to support founders of color. What advice would you share with them?
1: Oh, I love this question. I would say that February and June are not the only times that you should patronize my business
0: you want to say that again for the yes yes
1: black history month and juneteenth are not the only two good times to come and visit the cupcake collection and ask me for anything and i would say let's make the mentions make sense so i was asked recently by you know one of the chambers would i mind supporting an initiative for black history month by a big you know conglomerate and I said sure and they, they were asking well can you give a discount and I'm like heck yeah and then I saw an advertisement the very next day where that same conglomeration went to Kroger to buy cupcakes for something that they were doing but yet they asked me for the discount that's what happens in our community I think a lot of times and that's not okay I think that we have to be a little bit more mindful of the things that we're asking for for people. I'm not good because I'm black. I'm good because I'm good. Yes. And the fact that I'm black or a minority is the bonus that you get to help somebody else, um, you know, g- grow or go forward. And what I, what I love about what I love about God is. In the Bible, um, which is what I subscribe to, you never saw descriptions of people by their color. They were described by their region, where they were from. And so I think that in the human race, I'm just good because I am good. And you know, it's kind of like, I understand like there's gonna be racial disparities and things like that. What I'm trying to teach my children is they're coming into a society where they have to be owners mm-hmm. of their time. That's what I'm teaching my team. We all, are, we all are in business. We're in business of our labor. It's the same business my great, great, great grandmothers were in the business of their labor. They just didn't have a chance to make the money off of their labor. And so I think it's quite ironic and um, serendipitous that I'm making lots of money in sugar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Last question for you. What advice would you share for entrepreneurs in the Nashville region? Oh, I would say
1: that you need a coach. One of mine is sitting in the room today. He is amazing, and I'm sure he's available for hire. Are you Uncle Jim? Okay. <laughs> Jim Williamson is one of my favorite people. I call him Uncle Jim because I had an Uncle Jimmy, and he, their spirits are, were similar. But, you know, he would always come in with a, a, like a nugget. And I say, say that again and let me write it down this time. So I I would say that if Serena Williams has a coach, you need one too. Um, They have different kinds of coaches, right? You know, there's a shooting coach. You know, there's, she probably has a swing coach. I don't know. She's probably got somebody that teaches her how to, condition and so I, I would definitely say that that's one thing that entrepreneurs need to know that we need a coach and the Entrepreneur Center does have a lot of mentors and coaches available um, I like to give my time at the, at the EC too it is one of the hubs to me where you can get a wealth of knowledge but if I could say anything if you already have a coach and there's something I could give you as a nugget that collaboration is the new competition. I think that ever since the pandemic, we all learned that we gotta get together. We need each other in order to to survive. And what I heard my son's father-in-law said to me recently, he said, collaborating is not competing, it's completing. And I said, ooh, that's good, Dale Jones. That's good. So those are, the two, those are the two pieces of advice I would say. You need a coach, and then you need to find somebody to collaborate with because even, even God collaborated with the Holy Spirit as he got ready to create the entire creation universe. So I think collaboration is, is key indeed where can we stay connected with you oh my gosh um well one of the things i gotta put in a shameless plug for you you know you i think all my socials are up here are they not they're not okay it's mignon.francois on um on instagram and it's the cupcake collection on all channels we just got a youtube channel y'all i'm so excited about
0: that because my book is coming out <laughs> I was hoping you were going to share. So we're in an incredible mastermind together. So I'm like, are you going to share the news or <laughs> yeah. what? Okay.
1: Yes, I just got the release date this afternoon. Can I say that? Is it okay for me to say it? Um, the release date is May 9th. And I'm really super excited about it coming out just be just before Mother's Day because this is my motherhood story and I'm getting really transparent about some things I've never said in public about what it really took. Because a lot of people want to be and have what you have and want to do what you do and they don't know anything about what it takes to be you but I'm sharing a a lot of that story. And I did that in collaboration with RH Boy Publishing Company. And so some of the team is in the building. I see Mr. Manny LeGrayer over there. Um, And so I'm really proud of that. Fantastic. It's called, oh, I think I can say what it's called too, I can. It's called Made From Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe.
0: Yeah. So grab your cupcakes, (laughs) grab your books, get ready for May. We cannot wait. Thank you so much, Mignon. Give it up for Mignon. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Twin Day Podcast. Follow now at twindaypodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Twin Day Accelerator program, please visit twindayaccelerator.co. I'm Brittany Cole. Until next time, keep thriving.